Hi, welcome to another teaching message from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. Okay, let's ask God to speak to us. God, thank you so much that we get to be in your house. Thank you for this amazing service so far, the privilege to worship with, you know, family, and just be leaning our hearts to what you're doing, God. We come this morning because we need you. We need you to speak to us. We need a word that is more than just a word from a man, but it's a word from God. And I pray this morning, God, you're going to make your word so real. Make it so simple that we would understand. But let it be so profound that it will make a mark in our lives forever. We thank you so much for it and we give you the glory. And as, as a church, we thank you that I am married to the most amazing woman in the world and that Liverpool would win the league. And everybody said, Amen. All right, it's okay, whatever. You, you, you know, you don't really have to believe these things before they happen, but when they happen, then you see it, and then you're like, ah, he is a man of God. You know, so that's all right. Look at somebody and say, you'll never walk alone, and then you can sit. <laughs> then you can, you can be seated, and if you don't say that, just keep standing, whatever. It really doesn't matter. Okay, fantastic. Good to be in church. I have a word to share with you this morning that I believe um, the Holy Spirit will make real. Um, to you. And so um, today, you know, at this time of the year, I want to preach to you like a really good aspire to perspire kind of message. You know, it's, it's from like the kind of series where I was thinking of my topic and the kind of topics coming to my mind were things like how I started my poultry business with one feather, you know, <laughs> things like that. But um, that one didn't kind of suit. So the topic I'm going to use this morning is how to treat your staff without owning a business. Yes, yes, yes. That's good, good stuff. It's deep. I promise it's very deep. How to, how to treat your staff without owning a business. So I came across this list. I was reading an article this morning, and it was like a list of the most, they call it the most useless jobs in the world um, in 2021. Most useless jobs in the world that you didn't even know existed in 2021. So um, number one, uh, I'll just run through a few of them. Number one, professional paint drying watcher. So this guy is employed to watch paint as it dries off a painted surface. So, you know, paint producing companies employ them to check how long, you know, their paint takes to dry and how it dries and things like that. That's number one, most useless. Is it, there's this second one, professional snuggler. Um, you know, people struggle with sleep and all of that. So professional snugglers, they work with, with an agency. They send them to people who require snuggling services to be able to sleep, you know. Um, and some people, teddy bears don't work and all of that, so they need a human being, um, you know, stuff like that. Okay. You have been praying for employment, you know. Just, <laughs> we're going somewhere. There's, there's this one, professional sleepers. <laughs> some of you are like, <laughs> yeah, just wait for it. You know, they are hired by bed-making companies. They hire them to test the strength of their beds and stuff like that. How many of you would love, you know that you are qualified. <laughs> Okay, um, number five, this one annoys me personally, restroom attendants, especially in airports, I don't know, there's that guy that will bring soap for you to wash and bring tissue when you finish it, you know, like, so they are professionals who help people in restrooms, you know, such as pouring soap on your hands, giving tissue, reminding you about restroom rules, things like that, okay, um, pet psychologists, um, listen to this one, pet food tasters. They taste food for pets to ascertain the quality. But what's even most annoying is because in the right procedure, um, they, they do not require them to actually 
swallow it. Um, they, you know, it's just something very. Some of you know this one. This one used to be very annoying. I don't know if, but it's listed there. Elevator operator. <laughs> you know, it's also a professional that is employed to operate. So you enter, I say, which floor are you going? You tell you, you press it. So you're like, you know, you pressed it so nicely, you know, like we're going to the third floor. UCH. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one, this one. Lifeguard at the Olympics. Like Olympic swimming, we need a lifeguard in case you drown. <laughs> you know, like, like Olympic swimmers need a lifeguard, you know, and, and they actually do have a lifeguard, you know, because there is always a chance of drowning. Michael Phelps drowned, <laughs> you know. Um, listen to this one, gomologist. They are paid to taste bubble gums. <laughs> Look, I'm just trying to convince you today that, you know, unemployment and all of that is a joke. You know, like, opportunities. How many of you already see things you can apply for? 2022 is your year. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that sleeping professional thing. I'm qualified. <laughs> if you see my CV, you know. Gomologists. So, they are paid to test and taste bubble gums to give their opinion on the flavors and things like that. I like this one personally, and I think hard about it. Chocolate taster. Yeah, so they are to taste and sample chocolates of different flavors to determine the taste, the texture, and the smell. It's not actually as easy as it seems, the article says, because you need to smell the chocolate to note its smell, then taste it. You know, yeah, good stuff. So, yeah. Okay, let me not take too much time on this. For me, actually, personally, there are some jobs that are not necessarily, I don't know about useless. That's, that was just an article. I don't know about useless, but there are some jobs that are, I think, interesting. Interesting. I find them, like, interesting. And I really feel for the people who do them. Top of my list is servers or waiters. And I really feel for them because sometimes, you know, I'm like, if I'm a server, my mouth would just be watering. Like... <laughs> You know, I'll be taking orders like, and you know how people describe their order that your chicken, is it crispy? Is it? Mm. <laughs> you know, I don't know how they do it. And then, you know, customer after customer after customer and stuff like that. Um, give me, give me, let the turkey have like um, Texas barbecue sauce. Oh my God. Uh, you know, good stuff. Okay. The other job that I think is interesting that I also feel for is stadium stewards. You know, stadium stewards watch the people watching the game basically like so you back like we all came to stadium we all came for liverpool versus whatever club you know um we all came we all entered the stadium then the referee goes bim and then people are yeah watching the action and your job is to watch them as they watch the action you know like i feel for them really um and every here and there you see moments where you see some of them catching a glance like, where the, I, I, like, let me just see the goal and how bad can it be, right? Um, the big point of that is that we can be in the same place and the same thing is actually going on. But it doesn't mean that we are seeing it in the same way. So we're in the same place, we're all in the stadium, the same game is going on. But it actually doesn't mean that we are having the same experience or seeing it in the same way. Um, it, another way this used to happen to me was um, back in the years... My passion for football used to take me to viewing centers. You know, um, parents couldn't afford uh, DSTV. Ah, DSTV. So we go to viewing center. 
paid 30 naira or maybe 20 naira uh, back in the days. I don't know how much they charge now. But um, I remember that, you know, when you go into a good viewing center and there are like two games going on together, they will have two different screens. So um, some of you are like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, yeah? Two different screens and all of that. So you pick the one you want to watch and they both kick off together. So people are celebrating here, people are sad here. It's all going on together. And somebody comes in and says, what's the score? And somebody says the score is 2-0. Somebody else says the score is 0-0. And neither of them is telling a lie. They are just in different experiences. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say, right? Okay, good. And so I was thinking about that and how that at the end of the year, and at a time like this, we can all list out everything that has happened. And we can be in the same place. We can be, the same things can be going on. Um, and we can list out all that has happened. But my question is, how do you respond? What would you go out with? Um, like a stadium steward, would you go out with an experience of the people that were watching the action? Or would you go out with an experience of the action itself? So it's one thing to have lived through this year. And it's December, today is December 26. And you know, um, maybe you even prayed this morning and you said things like, God, thank you for sparing my life. To, see, to be among those that have seen the end of this year, you know. But we all see it, but what's the experience? Are we, what are we going out with um, from all of this? So, I, like I said, I want to speak to you this morning on what I'm going to call how to treat your staff without owning a business. Let me look at somebody and say that, like, how to treat your staff without owning a business. Because you really... You really need to know. And maybe you heard my topic and you're like, yes, I need to call my boss to join the service online now. He needs to know how to treat his staff. He needs to know. Just calm down, all right? Um, I really want to speak to you. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21, let's start from there. Hebrews 11, verse 21, the Bible says these words that Jacob, by faith Jacob, when he was dying, he blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. You kind of know where I'm going, okay? Um, leaning on the top of his staff. So in traditional, I've talked to you before about how in um, traditional Israel history, um, every Israelite man owns a staff. And I've told you before about how um, the staff for the Israelite man is like a diary of his life. Basically, what you do with a diary. And so major incidents of, of your life you mark it on your staff. That's, that's basically what happens. So when you see an Israelite man holding his staff, basically what he's holding is like the story of his life, okay? And so you think about Jacob, and we read Hebrews eleven twenty one, and the Bible saying that Jacob leaned, okay, on the top of his staff and worshipped when he was about to die. But what was Jacob looking at in that moment at the end of his life? He was looking at the entire record of his life, and it was marks and marks and marks. So you can think about Jacob's early days and how he kind of started out and, you know, I feel like Jacob grew up feeling second best, largely second best, because he was the guy trying to get the birthright, trying to get the rights to the birthright, to the blessing. And he kind of came out second. So it was painful to be growing up with, in the same house with Esau, right? Um, and, you know, you and Esau are like twins. And you know how you see one twin and you're like, ah, where's your brother? You know, just that comparison going on. But for Jacob and Esau, it was like, no matter how hard I try, I, I just think that's the life Jacob grew up with. No matter how hard I try, I'm going to be second best. 
privilege because that guy has a blessing on his life that I don't have. And so, you know, it doesn't matter what I get in the math test. It doesn't matter how many girls like me. It doesn't matter all of that. We all know that this, my brother, has the blessing. So Jacob basically spent his entire early life scheming, trying to get the right to the birthright. And so I feel like Jacob would have a lot of marks on his rod, on his staff that are just things, you know, marks that are born out of a sense of second best, you know, I'm second best, I, 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 I can't hope for much, I'm just second best and all of that. Or you might think about even just some of the major incidents that happened in all of that, how that, you know, he was scheming for a birthright. He, he cooked a deal. Um, okay, you can say he cooked a meal and served it as a deal. Or he cooked a, a, a meal and served it as a deal. Whichever one you want, right? But that was like something I thought of hard. Anyway, but he, he puts the mark and it's, you know, today I got the birthright. I got the right to, 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 to the birthright. And he puts the mark on the road. And so as he's looking over his life, he would see that mark and it'll be a reminder, okay? So just like what you do in your diary, basically, or for some of you, don't keep like a diary, you just tattoo it, you know, anywhere you can find space, like, you know, just tattoo it, you know, and stuff like that, okay? Um, you think about how Jacob had nights where it was just stony pillows, right? Um, difficult nights, basically. And, you know, he would put the mark um, and write it in there. Or, you know, you think about how he had relationship disappointments. Um, you know, he, like the girl, invested seven years of his life in the direction of the girl he liked. And he was just basically scammed, you know. Um, and then now started to work another seven years, okay? And this second seven years was not just like, again, just because you like the girl. It was now another seven years of being with a girl you don't really like while you wait for the guy. Do you get it? It's just complicated, basically. You get what I'm trying to say? Do you get what I'm trying to say? Okay, if not, just tell your own relationship story. So, um, you know, it's all marks and marks and marks. So when we basically look at Jacob's rod, we see just a lot of marks of, you know, pain and difficulty and things that didn't go right. Um, it was work issues. He had work issues with Laban. The Bible talks about Laban changing Jacob's wages again, just cheating him basically. And the worst thing about the work issues he had with Laban is, I also think maybe somewhere on his rod, there would be just how at some point in his life, I miss dad. I miss dad. Like I had to run away from home, right? I miss dad. And you know when you're in that longing of I miss dad and you're like, God, provide for me somebody that can be like a father figure. So he now married. So it's like, ah, my father-in-law is like my father. When Laban was through with Jacob, you know, he, the way he ran from that direction. Now he ran back in that direction. Basically like father-in-law issues. Amen. Any married man, if you say amen, your wife is hearing, you know. But father-in-law issues, that's what I'm just trying to say, right? Um, all over his stuff. Um, he had dark nights. He had conception issues with his, at least with his favorite wife. So um, basically Jacob had two wives. The one he didn't like. Before Jacob even just looks at her, she's pregnant. But the one he likes, you do everything to be done. You know, IVF, just won't get pregnant. But, you know, conception issues, ah, all over his rod. Polygamous family issues, all that squandering. Then there were some big ones, right? One day, some of his sons came back and said, Jacob, Joseph is dead. Look at, look at his, look at his cloak. Dipped in blood. What? Joseph, my favorite son, is dead. I feel like that would have been a big mark on Jacob's staff. That every time he looks at his staff, and maybe one or two things to smile about, but 
he would just see that mark of Joseph is dead. Um, there was famine in the land. There was like difficult economy and all. Jacob lived through quite a lot. And so just imagine for a moment all that was marked all over his rod. And today my question is, how do you treat your staff? Okay, let's forget the business part. But the point is you have a staff. You have staff. A staff. Whether or not you own a business. So the point, forget the business. That was just to catch your attention. That is my aspire to aspire. The point is, how do you treat your staff? How would you treat your staff? If I came into your own life today and I said, Okay, let's, let's, let's look at your staff. What would be on your staff? Maybe I'm like, ah, this Jacobson is an old man. Let, let me get a size that looks like... If you're here and you're a teenager, this is your size. This, this is the size. It's still better. I brought one. For if you are listening to this message, because my daughter likes to listen, this is the size of your own. You haven't done anything in life. The only things on your own. One day my, my daughter saw a guy that she liked. I don't know how to explain that moment. We were driving. She was at the back of the car. And there was a guy. Her eyes just lit up. I saw her like just all blush. I'm like, what? She said, Dad, I, I, I like the way God created him. <laughs> how to tell your pastor, Father, you're in love. <laughs> so those are the kind of things on her own uh, road. But let's not. If you're a teenager, this is your size, okay? If you're early 20s, maybe we'll add small. But the point, sir, is... <laughs> if we could look at your own rod um, or your own staff, what would it look like? Maybe you are here today and you're even saying things like, I know people that hear things like, let's review the year. And you're like, I don't want to review. I don't want to look at. I don't want to. You know, th- that's, that's the point. It's like, no even, you know, a review. Let's just hope that we're better. <laughs> when things are better, we can start to review. What is there to review? <laughs> Um, what would your staff look like? Um, Or maybe for you, it has actually been a very great year. Like it is mark after mark after mark of like, wow, 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 wow. My question is, how do you respond? Because I can put the same markings on your staff. The question is, how do you treat it? How do you respond to it? So let me tell you five ways Jacob could have responded this morning. Five ways very quickly. And maybe we'll see something in this. The first thing that I think is that there can be a full response. I call it a full response. F-O-O-L response. And the full response is a deceived self-made man. It's the guy that looks over everything going and, you know, just feels this is me. My only response as I look at break after break after break. Let me hear your key. My only response as I look at break after break after, you know, one great thing after another great thing, it's all about me. It's my hard work. It's the rich fool who sits down and says to his soul, like, look at what you have achieved. I call it a full response. And in worship, the fool would say things like, I exalt me. We're worshiping together. Exalt me. That's the full response. Like, look at my... Marriage, I exalt me, the best husband ever. Husband material, 200 yards. Only me. <laughs> you know, look at my children. They cry less than other children. I exalt me. <laughs> well behaved. I exalt me. Look at my business. I exalt me. If only two other human beings could be like me. Only me. Second response is the failure response. 
Number one, the full response. Number two, the failure response. The failure response is this pitiful, hopeless, defeated person. You know, you look at everything and it's just failure. All I see is my failure. All I see is what I should have done. You know, and in worship, he'll think, I am finished. I am finished. Like, look at what I should have done there. Ha, I am finished. Look at the kind of choices you make. Have you heard the joke of a guy that, you know, his wife was always telling him, you make stupid choices. Stupid. I don't know the kind of man I married. Stupid choices. So one day he was just flipping through his wedding album. He's like, I agree with her. Foolish choices. I am finished. That's the failure response. And today I want to say, friends, I may not know your story, quite honestly. I may not know all the marks on your rod, on your staff, but I know Jesus' story. And I know that in his story is always a reason for you to hope. In his story is always a reason for you to hope. And I may not know every detail of what you have on your... But when Jesus meets a person, he never leaves the person without hope. Jesus never meets a person and walks out of a conversation. You might be the dying thief on the cross beside Jesus. You've done everything wrong, everything wrong all your life. Now you end up as a robber being killed. Like, no escape on this point. Nothing more to look to. But Jesus doesn't leave that guy without a sound of hope. He says, today you'll be with me in paradise. I may not know every detail of your story, but you see, with Jesus, he gave us an example. Jesus would not say, I am finished when he was on the cross. Jesus said, it is finished. And you see, there's a big difference between I am finished and it is finished. There are it's that finish. I know there are it's that finish in your life. Maybe for you, money is finished because of poor choices. Or for you, a relationship is finished because of poor choices. Or for you, a business has closed because of poor choices. But there's a difference between it is finished and I am finished. Jesus gave us an example of it is finished. Amen, anybody. Tell somebody, say, you are not finished. You haven't even started. All right. Um, number three response that Jacob could have taken. Um, I think it's the fear response. Number one, the full response. Number two, the failure response. Number three, the fear response. The fear response is when, you know, we just start to look at all the details on the staff and Hey, what does this mean? You know, for some of you, it's all my mates. You know, fear response sounds like all my mates in my generation. Like, all my mates at this point, huh? all my mates. By this time next year, all my mates. Because I thought A will lead to B that will lead to C. And A did not happen. So now I'm just, C can never work. You know, just that fear, panic response. Um, fear response produces a panicking hustler. He starts to jump all over the place, doing everything, trying everything. You know, sometimes, is it not because of the markings on your rod that, you know, suddenly you are trying to do everything that a human being should not even do? It's a fear response. But you know what the Bible says? God has not given us a spirit of fear. He has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, there are certain decisions you take in your life that your mind is not sound. Why? Because of the presence of fear. And I want to say today that it is never the strength of the things we're afraid of. It is a weakness of our faith. It is never, you know, ah, look at it, it like look at how big this thing coming again. No, it's never a strength of the fear. It is a weakness of faith. So, so Jacob could have looked at his staff at the end of his life and treated it in many different ways. He could have looked at it like a fool. He could have looked at it, you know, in failure. He could have looked at it in fear. Um, let me give you... Um, Two more. There is also the faith response. 
F-A-T-E, the faith response. The faith response is just a helpless viewer. I'm just a helpless viewer. <laughs> you know, whatever will be, will be. In this life, it's the destiny that is over you that will just play out. There's nothing you can do. Whatever will be, will be. <laughs> you know, um, Jacob could have looked at everything like I'm just, it's just fate. You see, in this life, in this life, and you know how people call philosophers, you know, you see, in this life, it's like a moving stream. Whatever is your own will come to you. Whatever does not come to you is not your own. You see, but Jacob, look at that relationship that you lost. It was not destined to be. It's mine, it will come to me. Jacob, you failed your exam. Did you? Did you read for the exam? I was not destined to pass. You know, it's just fate. You know, you have Jacob. Jacob is stuck in traffic. You're like Jacob. You are you are stuck in traffic. Like everything, you don't know how life arranges things. Jacob, did you check Google Map before you went out? It's that simple, Jacob. I was telling my wife yesterday. So. Now you start to give all these interpretations. You don't know whether this traffic is saving us from something. Jacob, you are wasting your life. <laughs> Push your Google map. Check. It's just fate. I'm just a helpless viewer of everything going on. You know? Uh, Jacob, did you seek medical advice? Eh? With you know, just what was even going on in your pregnancy or your? Did you even did you even have a conversation? You know, it's just I don't know. It's just the, the destiny, destiny. <laughs> it's just fate. That's what I'm saying. I, I look at 2021. It's just fate. There's nothing I could have done. That's the way it was programmed. Who are we to struggle with our Almighty God? Who are we? We are nothing but pencil in the hands of the Creator. It's fate. Jacob, you are starting school. Did you even talk to senior colleagues to even know about your department? Eh? Jacob, don't be. Eh? Jacob. Let me look at somebody and say, don't be. Don't be. Just show them the. Uh, don't be unfortunate. Say, <laughs> my marriage is struggling. When you were getting married, how many books on marriage did you read? Apart from partying. Yeah, I don't marry. How many? How did you prepare to marry? Asked somebody once. He, was, he said, "Ah, we're ready for children." I said, "Oh, wow, you prepared?" He said, "Yes, we have saved money." <laughs> it's good. Though. That that's good. That's part of. But you think that you will see today? You now see how much is it? It's not how much. <laughs> it's not how much. <laughs> Did you attend Couples Connect, Career and Business People's Forum? Jacob will say, Jacob, did you join a live group? You say, I'm not destined to be loved. Did you? <laughs> okay. Faith response. Do you, do you get practical help? Say, maybe we are just not designed for each other. Okay. Number five. I've given you four possible responses that Jacob can have, right? Number one is what? A full response. Number two? Failure response, right? Number three? A fear response. Number four? 
A faith response. Good, number five. Number five is what we see with Jacob in Hebrews 11 verse 12. It's a faith response. And so the Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 21 that by faith Jacob, when he was dying, he blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. And so what we see with Jacob in this moment is that he looks at his staff. He looks at everything that this life has been. He looks at every mark on that staff. He looks at every moment that I've walked through. He looks at everything I've been through. And the response we see is that the Bible says he brings out a faith response. And I just think this is so beautiful because what Jacob is doing is not that he's saying every detail in my life is good. I mean, I've just shown you how many things in Jacob's life were really, really, really messed up. Jacob is not saying that everything about my life is good. He's not saying that I trust all things. He's saying that I trust a God that works in all things. I love Romans 8 verse 28. I love it in the NIV. I like how NIV puts it. Listen to this. It says that, um, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. All right? That in all things, there is a working of God. All right? In all things. That Jacob is saying, I can lean on everything. I can, I can, I, I'm not trying to hide details. I'm not trying to say 75% of my life. Jacob says that, do you know what? Faith gives me a response where I can, in all things, see a working of God. It's a faith response, people. And it's the same set of circumstances. It's the same thing going on in the stadium, but some people walk out as the viewers of the real thing. Some people walk out as the viewers of those who are viewing. And what I'm saying to you today, friends, is that we can have a faith response as we look at the same set of circumstances. The same set of things happening. A faith focus. You see, faith has a focus. A faith response gives us a focus. So let me just show you what a faith response will play out as. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. Um, the Bible says we look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. I love that. We look away from the natural realm. We look away from a natural way of interpreting everything. And what do we do? We look to Jesus. And Jesus births faith in us. He not only birthed it, but he leads us onto the perfection of that faith journey. That what faith does is that it propels a focus in us. A faith response to everything about your staff, every detail about your life this year. A faith response is that you're not just interpreting things in the natural. You're not just interpreting things as, you know, natural circumstances. But you are looking to Jesus. Faith becomes a focus. Faith is a focus. Don't ever forget that faith is a focus. Faith is that in all of this, I look to Jesus. And I'm not just looking at these marks. As natural things, but I'm looking at them through the eyes of God's working. And so that's when you start to say things like, you know, what the enemy meant for evil. I look to a God who works it for good. All right? It's not that they don't exist. It's not, faith is not a denial. It is a greater affirmation. Faith is not you trying to say this didn't happen. I'm just trying to hide the details. I will not reveal the year. Faith is not a denial. It is a greater affirmation that even if I made mistakes, I serve a God who is able to take what the enemy meant for evil in my vulnerable moments and work it for my good. Amen, anybody. Faith is a greater affirmation. Faith is, you know, it's not you saying that nothing happened against me. You know, no weapon fashioned against you. That means that sometimes on your staff, Weapons were fashioned against you. Amen. In 2021, let me give you a 2021 rendition. Sometimes it is fashion weaponed against you. 
Yeah, we live in that day and age where the weapon fashioned against you. You know what I'm talking about. But no weapon fashion, no fashion weapon against you. The Bible says none will prosper. Why? Not because it didn't happen. But it is a great affirmation that I look to a God who keeps me in it all. Yeah, that's how faith looks. Um, faith response. So what it does is that faith, I said to you, that you can have different responses. You can have a full response. A full response is just that self-made guy. I said you can have a fear response, a failure response. It is a pitiful, hopeless, defeated person. You can have a fear response. It is a panicking hustler. You can have a faith response. It is a helpless viewer. But a faith response will birth a leaning, trusting worshiper. That's what I see in Hebrews eleven twenty one. A faith will birth a leaning trusting give me hebrews eleven twenty one. by faith when jacob was dying what did he do he worshiped leaning on the top of his staff it will birth a leaning trusting worshiper a faith response will birth a leaning trusting worshiper you can't be looking to god in this and not be responding with a worship with a praise with an acknowledgement of who god is faith will make you more conscious of god's involvement than of people's schemings faith will make you more conscious of what god is able to do than what you failed to do faith will make you more conscious of a god who is for you than what is against you faith will birth a worshiper not a mourner not a complainer faith will birth a worshiper not a not a naga amen anybody not a not a naga not a naga faith will birth a worshiper. I'm look at somebody and say, stop nagging, stop nagging. Faith will birth a worshiper. Faith will not birth a complainer. Faith will not birth a miserable, pitiful, you know, helpless person. Faith will birth a worshiper. Jacob had everything in his life to look at. He had opportunities. He had mistakes that he made. Opportunities that he lost. But Jacob ends up worshiping. Why? Because he responds in faith. And what I'm saying to you today is we can all be looking at the same set of circumstances. We can all be looking at a year and oh yes, it was that kind of year. We've lived through a pandemic. We are still in those kind of economic situations and you know what's happening with the government. We can all be looking at the same set of things and you can either be responding in fear or in a sense of faith or as a fool or with failure or you can be responding today as somebody who has faith in his heart and faith births a worshiper faith will birth a worshiper but maybe you're here about to close but maybe you hear everything i'm saying today and you say hey you know what you can say all of that because you don't know what's on my rod you don't you don't understand you don't understand the reality it's like when you even use words like faith it's just something out there like i would love to be a man of faith you know i would love to be a woman of no, a woman of faith right i would love to be but it's just not me. Like, the reality of my rod right now is that I'm struggling. Um, maybe the reality of your rod right now is that if we could really mark it, and you know, and you just came out with your staff, um, that the truth is people are just going to be running away from you. Some of you know that if God ever put a screen on your head to just show people everything going on in your mind, you can't have friends. Some of you know what that. Yeah, right, right. Anybody join me? Yeah. Okay. Like I said, join me. <laughs> like you know, um, that, you know. Sometimes the reality is, I just feel messed up. Maybe for you, it struggles. Um, maybe my stuff right now just looks like addictions, <laughs> from the top to the bottom, from when I first knew myself. Okay, that's the bottom, all the way to where I am now. 
just a story of addictions and failures and failures and failures and repeated cycles. Here we are again. This is the point where at the end of last year, I said from today. You remember December 31 last year? It's the last time because we are crossing over into the new. But here you are again about to, you know, cross over. So when you hear words like crossover, to what we've been here, failed. Failed to the point that you cannot separate yourself from your failure. You know, it's one thing when you're saying, I failed. It's another when you say, I am that I am failure. <laughs> maybe it's just like all oh, this thing I'm saying, if you know how broke I am. Casey. <laughs> When you finish all this, you're preaching. Tell me how it changes my account balance. Even though you don't say anything. Because my own level of being broke. You see when the Bible says Moses was coming down anger and he broke the Ten Commandments. It's not my type of broke. That one is still broke around God. My own broke. You get what I'm saying? It's just messed up anyway. But like failure, failure, failure. Need. Um, maybe that's what your road looks like. And, you know, maybe, maybe it looks like sometimes, I, I deal with this sometimes, sometimes there is, you know, there is should-haves and could-haves. Like, da, 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 ah, that you look at the effect, should-have, could-have. Come on, am I preaching to anybody today? Should-have, could-have, like, if only... Like, like where's Control-Z, 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 Ali! Control Z. <laughs> should have. Could have. Or shouldn't have. Shouldn't have. They told me. Shouldn't have. Shouldn't have. Ah! I gave me. Shouldn't have. I wonder what your staff would look like. How do you treat your staff? How do you treat your staff? Wonder what it would really look like if I could bring yours out. But as you see all of that, I've got you a word this morning about messed up rods and messed up staffs or whatever you call it. I've got you a word this morning that I hope would encourage you. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 3, the Bible says, behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, all right? Behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of, like, this is the most holy place, like, holy, God is, the writer of Hebrews is describing it, like, this was the holiest place, like, you're talking about the presence of God here, the holiest, like, you see, when it comes to the presence of God, you don't, you know, it's in these days that you just come in any hour, you know, you just enter church, you know, those days you would think about your life well before you enter. Do you know that even the high priest in all his, you know, quote and unquote holiness, when the high priest is going in, they tie a rope to his leg, okay? So he goes in to offer sacrifices and do all of that once in a year, but they will tie his leg. Do you know why? Because if he's not clean, as he was forming that he's clean, when he gets in, they will, he will be struck. But the problem is that when he's struck, you know, nobody can go in to bring him out. If high priest died, you will now go. So they will now use that rope to pull him to the start. Like this is the only place. Have you ever been somewhere before that you thought, ah, I shouldn't be here. Like, what am I doing here? One day I was at a conference and the organizer, I, I just went to attend. The organizer of the conference just saw me and he said, oh, come and Like, some very, like, very high-profile pastors. Like, ah, 
So he now saw me and he said, I should come. I should come and, you know, just sit down with the guest speakers. Ah. And this was like after the session. So they went in for lunch. And then, so like, I think we're like three in the room. Three or four. We're four plus the, the room. And these were the guys that came to speak. And like, I don't mention names, but very, very high profile. So I'm sitting down there. <laughs> I don't know when to laugh. Because if they crack a joke that I laugh too much, you know, it's like, is this person a serious fellow? I don't, I don't want to not laugh because I'm like, you know, I should look interested. So I'm, <laughs> you know, and I remember one other guy who serves in church coming and I asked, I said, what am I doing here? I don't get, I can't, and they're contributing. They say, oh, you know that, you remember that man of God in the 80s? I can't contribute. <laughs> so what am I doing here? And honestly, that's the way I feel about the next verse I'm about to read. Look at verse 4. So we're talking about the holiest place. And he says, look at the things that were there. The golden censer. The ark of the covenant overlaid on all sides with gold. This is God's covenant with his people. Gold. Okay. In which were the golden pots that had the manna. You, you remember manna? Food cooked in heaven. Manna. This was how God trained the Israelites. God said, you know what? I want the Israelites to have manners. So he started giving them manna. Come on, come on. Let's use up this year's jokes this year. Let's use it up this year so that next year we will cross over into a new... But, but God was giving them manna every day. Like, okay, so I can understand some of these things being in the holiest place. But right there, I see Aaron's rod. Aaron's rod. What are you doing there? The holiest place, Aaron's rod. So maybe you're like, who's Aaron? I'll remind you, Aaron was the most athletic guy in the Bible. He went for a run. <sighs> Let's use up the jokes. Let's use up the joke. He went for a run. His name is Aaron. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just disappointed, everybody. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is my last message for the year. Also, so, what that other one I wanted to crack? No, don't worry. They already look disappointed enough. <laughs> So, but you're like Aaron. Aaron, basically, in my estimation, is a story of many failures. Maybe you're like, man, I don't know what I was doing. I misled some of my friends and we all messed up and stuff like that. <laughs> Calm down, Aaron. Aaron misled a nation of five million people to go and worship idols. A na God's nation. Shabby, those are your friends. They didn't even know what they were doing before. This one, God's nation, worshippers of God delivered from Israel. Aaron led them. So go and be worshipping golden calf. Talk about failure in your life. Aaron. Aaron, just having leadership issues, leadership breaches. Moses just goes somewhere small time. Aaron will just turn everybody this way. Aaron is not the guy. You know, I would think maybe Joshua. Okay, but Aaron. Aaron is talking against Moses that God has to answer Aaron. And what is wrong with Moses? You know, you know that guy that is around you that's forming supportive, but God has to answer. <laughs> that's Aaron. God now puts leprosy and says, Go and meet Moses to pray for you. It's more than enough on Aaron's rod to just say, This is not good stuff. But you know what's interesting? I see Aaron's rod in the holiest of all. But one more thing that we notice. So, what happens here is a reference. You see, Aaron's rod that budded. What happened here is a reference to, you know, God was speaking and he was saying, Aaron, put out your rod and the rod that buds was a sign and all of that to the Israelites.
But I particularly noticed this morning that when we see Aaron's rod in the presence of God, it is not a dead rod. It is not a sorrowful rod. It is a burden rod. It's a rod with new growth. It's a rod with a freshness, with a fruitfulness. And I just wanted to encourage somebody today who says, you know what, I... I'm messed up. You don't understand what's happening on my rod. I have made mistakes. I have done things that I shouldn't do and all of that. That is exactly the point I'm trying to make. That the revelation we see of a rod in the presence of God is not a miserable rod. It is not a hopeless rod. It is not a, you know, useless rod. The revelation we see of a rod in the presence of God is what was supposed to be a dead rod. But guess what? In the presence of God, we see a fruitful rod. We see a new growth, people. We see new fruitfulness, people. In the presence of God, it's not about the marks on your life and what I should have done. In the presence of God, it is a fruitful rod. And what I'm saying today to people who say, you don't understand. I don't even want to think about this year because it's mistake after me. What I'm saying is bring that same story into the presence of God. Bring that same story into an atmosphere of worship. What faith understands is that God is still able to board the rod that they said is a dead rod. That's, that's God's ability. That's what God does. And this morning, I'm believing for people for a new fruitfulness in the places where you said, I think it's over. I think my marriage is on the edge. I think the relationship is broken. I think, I think my home can't. It's just all deadness and marks and marks of pain and hurt and betrayal. What I'm saying is get it into the presence of God. Get it into an atmosphere of God. That's what faith understands, that faith brings that rod into the presence of God and in the presence of God in that place of worship we suddenly see Aaron's rod that budded that when this story is told it is not told as a story of Aaron's rod and Aaron the miserable guy Aaron the failure because the story is told with Aaron in the presence of God it is a story of Aaron's rod that budded and this morning I'm believing out of the same story that's what I'm trying to say it can be the same set of circumstances it can be the same story a full response makes it all about me and it's all about me it's all about me but the truth is you don't have the strength to carry your life a fair response makes it all about what people did and what might happen and it's looking at them and all of that a failure response makes it all about the things that went wrong on that rod and all of that but today I'm inviting you people to a faith response a faith response makes it all about Jesus a faith response makes it all about what he is doing a sound of him over your life a sound of hope where you thought it was hopelessness a promise of his life over you a faith response makes it about a worshiper and today what I'm saying is can you lean over your rod and worship can you lean over what happened and worship can you lean over what men meant for evil and worship can you lean over what didn't go the way you wanted it to go and worship can you lean over all that they did and worship and today I'm inviting people and I'm saying hey come on team come I'm done I'm saying can we end this year as worshipers can we end this year as people that look over our highs and look over our lows and look over what went for us and what didn't go for us but ended as worshippers. Today I'm asking, how will you treat your staff? How will you treat your staff? How will you treat your staff? Help me look at somebody around you and say, how will you treat your staff? How will you treat your staff? Are you going to have a full response? Are you going to have a faith response? How will you treat your staff this morning? How will you treat your staff? And I'm encouraging today and I'm praying that somebody is going to have a rod-leaning praise. Somebody is going to have a, not a denial praise, not a praise when I don't think about things. So, 
I wasn't too conscious of what they did. I didn't know that had happened, so I was still praising. But now I can't praise. You know all those things we said when we were growing up about how God should do things so that we will be able to praise Him. But what I'm saying today is even if God didn't do it, even if it didn't come through the way you wanted it to come through, even if things haven't gone the way you want them to go, even if nothing seems to be working, can you have a rod-leaning worship, a rod-leaning praise by faith today? Can you have a faith response to that story? It might be the same set of circumstances. But today I pray you're not going to be like the steward in the stadium that is missing the real point because you are watching the people that are watching the point. I pray today you're not going to be somebody seeing all these things and you are missing the real point. That God is always saying through all of this, will you see me? I know you say somebody let you down, but God is saying, can you see me that held you up when they let you down? I know you are seeing that people walked there, but God is saying, can you see that I was there for you? And I pray you're not going to be like that steward watching in the same place what is not really the action. But today I believe the action was settled once and for all 2,000 years ago. Come on. It's too late. It's too late, Satan. It's too late for me to live in misery and mourning. It's too late, Satan, for me not to have a reason to praise. It's too late for me not to have a worship. Because 2,000 years ago, my Savior went up that cross. He stretched out his hands. And in that one sacrifice, in what he did in that moment, every single day of my life, whether it's the end of a year or the beginning of a year or the middle of the year, every single day of my life, I have a faith to lean on and praise. I have a faith to lean on. And... Come on, does anybody have a praise this morning? Can you lift your hands and can you shout as loud as you can this morning? Thank you so much for joining us here at Sycamore Church. If you prayed that prayer at the end, we're so excited about your decision for Jesus. And we would love to help you get established in your relationship with Him. So please let us know about your decision at www.sycamore.church forward slash Jesus. There you'll also find all kinds of resources to help you build your relationship with Jesus. If you enjoyed this message, we would love for you to subscribe wherever you're listening or visit www.sycamore.church forward slash resources. Again, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.